your Property Network magazine, the UK's leading magazine for active property investors, presents your property podcast, giving you access to some of the UK's most successful and influential property investors and developers. They will share with you their successes, failures, strategies and tips. So whether you're an experienced property investor or just starting out, Join us every week to help you plan your path to financial freedom. So let's get started with your host, Nina Hirons. Hello and welcome to another edition of Your Property Podcast with me, your host, Nina Hirons, and thanks for joining me today. So this week, we are going to be talking about a subject that's actually very close to my heart. It is the mysterious world of planning. And to help answer some of those unanswered questions I'm sure we all have, I am delighted to be joined by the incredible Linda Wright, a a chartered town planner and owner of Planet Wright. So Linda's career spans over 30 years in both the public and private sectors, and she has come across, I would say, probably almost every planning issue that you could imagine. So I think it's safe to say that this lady really knows her stuff. So in 2010, Linda formed the private planning consultancy Planet Right that offers a unique service to the planning community. And I think she's really carved out a niche offering throughout the property investor network. And basically, Linda offers a common sense advice within the confines of the incredibly complex planning system. So Linda, hello, welcome, and thanks for agreeing to talk to me today. Hello, Nina. It's an absolute pleasure. And after that build up, I'm a bit scared that this is going to be a, a huge anticlimax. Oh, no, no. Uh, as I mentioned, this is a subject that I'm particularly really interested in. And I, for one, wish I'd kind of known about you about six years ago uh, when I embarked on building the house that we live in today. You know, I was hit by an endless list, uh, list of cans and cans. And it kind of felt that, you know, at every turning, you know, I was hit by a new regulation that we needed to abide, for, abide to. Uh, it was a minefield it was one massive headache and I'm pretty sure you know I'm not the only one that kind of faced this uh, you know like obviously I've just given you this big build-up um so I, I <laughs> there's no pressure <laughs> no pressure no pressure but you know I, I'd like to go back to the very beginning you know we always talk about this kind of property journey um so can you tell me a little bit more about you and your background and kind of how we've got kind of where we are today Ooh, how long have we got? Um, a, a lot of people tend to look at my CV and say, do you get easily bored? Um, <clears throat> I don't. I like to rise to a challenge. And um, very briefly, I've been um, a council planner. So the old phrase of gamekeeper turned poacher is very applicable to me. So I've, I've been I've worked for various uh, council local authorities uh, as a planning officer um, for uh, more years than I care to almost 20 years um, in various parts of the country. Um, and so I know exactly what planners, and, and you know, I'm not here to slag off planners, although there are, although there are some that I'd like to. Um, <laughs> but on, in the main, planners have a job to do, and they have a list of rules and policies and regulations, and they have to abide by those. So it, they're, they're almost a, a check, a tick box um, sort of function. Uh, and, and I do feel sorry for them sometimes because they do get caught in the middle of all sorts of things. But that's what I used to do. So I've done that for years and years and years. So I, I know what planners can and can't do. So I, I will push boundaries. Someone 
um, emailed me the other day and said, I'm looking for someone to push boundaries. Well, no, he was looking for someone um, to probably snap the rules completely. Um, now, I, I am prepared to push boundaries. And that's what I will do with planners, because a lot of planners will come back and ask for more information and or they'll make you jump over hurdles as it's we've just finished the Olympics, over hurdles, through hoops, all sorts of things. Um, and a lot of the time you can go back to them if you know what you're doing, you can go back to them and say, uh, well, actually, do we really need that? Could we do that at a later time? Because at the end of the day, it's putting you, the client, uh, to added expense, extra cost. And if we can do that when you've got the benefit of planning permission in your hand, then it's much better to do that. And you're more inclined to do that. So um, I have worked as a council planner. So as I say, I know what happens in the planning office. Um, and, you know, most of the time, planner talking to planner um they seem to relax a lot better because they know they can say all sorts of things uh, and you'll understand exactly what's going on and i'll understand what i can argue with and what it's probably going to be a waste of time to argue with so i did that um the usp on my cv is that i work for the government of bermuda um on the island of bermuda it was very very nice um and I loved it to bits. And, and that was a bit different. When I was working in Stockport and I thought, mm, should I choose Stockport? Should I choose Bermuda? So Bermuda won, uh, not surprisingly. And then I've come back and I lived in Hampshire for 10 years, worked in Dorset. I've worked in the telecommunications industry. I've worked for the Home Builders Federation and I've worked for Volume House Builders. And it was whilst I was working for the Volume House Builders um, that the writing was on the wall. Redundancies were made and I set up Planet Right. Uh, and that's where we are. And I also have... Uh, another company that I've set up, Developed Right Property, um, which is intended, minor plug, near Nina, I apologise for this immediately, but I've set up another company called Developed Right Property Limited, um, which is for um, the possibility of investors to come along. We um, do a joint venture, we buy a property that I can get planning permission for, we can add value to the land and the buildings, and then we move on from there. So that's developed right property. That's brand new, uh, hot off the press. Mm -hmm. So that's me in in a very long-winded way. Oh God, I'm, try I'm trying. I'm trying not to get um, off to Bermuda. I'm excited about Bermuda. Oh, I know. It was lovely. It was lovely. <laughs> why? Why are you back? Uh... Well, it's. Well, it's not, it is a tax haven, but, mm. you know, it's it's not home, is it? Yes. You know, when you, you come down to it, um, yeah, a lot of expats do stay there. Mm. But, um, no, it's not home. So it yes. came back um, uh, and lived in Hampshire for 10 years. You know, you, you know your, your career, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's incredibly diverse. Um, you know, you, you've mentioned, obviously, you've got made redundant, hence the reason you set up Planet Right. Um, you've also kind of mentioned, uh, you know, people saying to you, do you get bored, whatever, but... Do you, do you find that kind of dealing with so, you know, the, the diversity of so many different planning applications with the new companies, that kind of excites you? Because you can hear it in it your does. voice. You know, you're obviously mm, very passionate about it. Oh, I am. I am. Absolutely. I come into the office and I know I used to work from home. I now have set up offices and we, I now have a, a planning uh, student who's working with me as well, Roxanne. Um, and I come into the office every morning and I think, I wonder what will come in today. And, and I'm never disappointed. Um, I've done, um, you know, I've, I've, I've worked for 
um, volume house builders and that, you know, something comes in, 160 houses on Greenbelt land. And then, you know, the next day or the next week, someone wants to put, do a doggy daycare unit. And you think, well, it's slightly bizarre, but yeah, go on, we'll give it a go. And that, you know, had huge problems with it. And then another time come in and say, someone wants to set up uh, an air trampoline park in an industrial unit. So that had other issues. And then you get the large HMOs and you get office to residential and someone wants to put 50 or 60 flats um, in an existing office building. Uh, and then someone wants to convert a building in the green belt or build something in the green belt. And so um, every single day is different. Every single day is diverse. And I've just... Um, client this week this last week came in and wants to build some buildings on an industrial estate so um every single day is different every single day is exciting and challenging dare i say but there are also people who will come to me bless them and and say i want to do this and and i will look at it or i'll do um a feasibility appraisal or we'll do a telephone consultation and i'll look at it in slightly more depth for about half an hour um and um I, I will have to say, I'm sorry, but I, I can't do this because you're not going to get permission. So I'm not one of these, and, and there are some agents out there and planning consultants and oh, all sorts of architects and surveyors and all sorts of people who, who will say, oh, yeah, go on, we'll give it a go. Um, knowing full well that the likelihood is you're not going to get planning permission. Now, uh, I like to sleep at night um, and I won't do that. So if I look at the planning policies and what you, what you want to do as a client will not fit with those planning policies, then I'm going to say no or, or with general planning practice. There's a lot of people want to do backland development. They, they think they're going to fit a couple of houses in a, in a large back garden. Uh, and invariably, it, it doesn't work because it, it's too constrained. Sometimes it does. Some, you know, sometimes it does. Um, but a lot of the time, um, it just won't work because there's just not enough space. Um, so I'm not one of these people who will say, oh, yeah, that's fine. It'll, it'll be refused, but don't worry about it. I, you know, I'm on a 90 to 95% approval rate, and I, I quite like to keep that um, because of the fact that I, I don't lead people along a path that I know is going to lead to a, a refusal. It, it, it all sounds, you know, it sounds really amazing. Like I said, you, you, know, you can hear the passion in your voice, and that's, that's amazing. But, you know, and I'm really lucky that everyone I talk to is obviously very, very successful. But... I'm, I, I'm, I think I'd be quite safe to say that I'm not, I, I imagine it wasn't kind of plain sailing from kind of day one. So, you know, has it, has it, has it been challenging? <laughs> <laughs> Plain set. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. And, and I, I'll, I'm speaking at the PPN meeting um, in uh, Birmingham soon. And um, I'm not going to lie. And I tell people when I do my presentations and my keynote speaking and, and, and public speaking to property investors of all types up and down the country. I speak to architects. I lecture at Manchester and Liverpool universities. Um, so I like to you know, I like to spread the knowledge. If you, I mean, that's, mm. that sounds horribly arrogant, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Um, um, so from that point of view, no, it wasn't easy. Um, I set up the um, Planet Right in 2010 when we know we were in the horrendous downturn. Um, and quite honestly, nobody came to me. Nobody knew about me. Uh, nobody was doing, wanted any planning advice. Nobody was building anything. Everybody had drawn their horns in and that was it and and I, I won't lie to you I 
lived on off PPE, PPI refunds, right? Re, you know, I, I sort of looked at my finances and thought, right, this whole PPI thing. And that's what I lived on for around about 18 months. Um, so that was, you know, I hyperventilated most mornings to see if, um, if there's any work was going to come in. But then gradually, it did start to come in. People got to know about me generally locally uh, within the Northwest. And then when I started um, uh, speaking at property um, events, um, the, the, the net was wider. And I now deal with, you know, um, properties from uh, Gravesend to Newcastle and, you know, all points in between. Um, so I do advise people across the country and, and a lot more in London now uh, in the Greater London authorities um, because I've got that knowledge and the knowledge that I've got. A lot of people think you have to have someone local, um, but I've got that knowledge that will transfer across the board um, to all uh, local authorities. You need to know the specific, I need to research the specific policies for each local planning authority, but the national planning legislation is the same throughout all of England. Uh, Wales is slightly different. Scotland and Ireland are completely different systems, so I don't do Scotland and Ireland, although I do have people that I refer to if someone brings work in uh, for Scotland or Ireland. Um, so it's you know, it translates across England uh, and people say, oh, well, I wanted to use someone local because I think they'll know the local policies. Well, yes, that's absolutely fine. But the issue here is it has to be someone local and competent because um, there are a lot of people who have come to me because they've used someone local and they don't want to upset the local planning authority because they work with them a lot and and I find that quite bizarre um, uh, if you're going to be a planning consultant or any kind of agent uh, you need to work your best interest needs to be for your client um, not whether you're going to upset the local authority I quite like upsetting some local authorities but that's just me <laughs> it's it sounds like you are you know you're manic you know like you said you kind of you're lecturing you you know you're, you're talking at kind of you know property meetings etc so um but you know one, one thing I'm kind of I'm really interested myself is kind of people's time management um you know you hear lots of people saying you know they want to get into property uh, but they've got no time you know you all you always hear these excuses and I mean I'm, I'm not just talking in property I'm talking you know kind of life in general so yeah I'm, I'm guessing there probably isn't one, but, you know, is there kind of a typical day in the life of Linda? And, you know, how do you manage your projects and how do you manage your time? Mm, no, um, there isn't a typical day. Um, and the, <laughs> I manage, I manage my, my projects and my time because um, I don't have a partner. I don't have a dog, a cat, a houseplant <laughs> or anything else, because if I did, they would perish um, through lack of attention. So that's probably something to do. It. Uh, I was going to say, I, I, you know, I do have a social life, but only a fairly small and reduced one. But mm. my passion is this business. And, and there are other things on the horizon that I can't talk about at the moment. Um, but there are other things on the horizon to, to expand and to broaden this business. And I am quite excited about the fact that the best thing is, Nina, I, I, there's nobody else listening, so I'll just tell you. Um, the, be the best thing is I could never, ever go back to being employed. I could never, ever go back to someone telling me what to do because this is a great job um, for a, a complete control freak and megalomaniac because whatever – it's on. On the one hand, it's great because I, I decide, I make all the decisions. But on the other hand, I make all the mistakes. Um, so, you know, anything that I do do uh, is, is quite 
kind of scary because I think, well, I'm going this way. Am I doing the right thing? And there's only, you know, I talk to me. Well, I, I've got lots of advisors, obviously. But, you know, there's a scary place in my head. Um, so I, I do do lots of things and I, just, I make decisions. And But it's all for the benefit of the business. And, and it, it is. It is my passion. And I, I don't really. I eat, sleep, drink it. Um, and that's why we generally we get we get the planning approvals i can't say you know it's it's a hundred percent it's not um um but that's why because um i work hard and I, I i have all kinds of um software systems um that i've put in place i mean for example everybody probably knows i use zero um the cloud-based accounting system which is is fabulous and it's taken so much um, of the day-to-day -day accounting stuff. I also, I'm, I'm, this is, I'm not plugging these things and I'm, I'm not getting any commission for them, but this is what helps me to do my time management. Also, it's, it's been helpful because I outsource my admin. I have a, an admin team and anybody who's phoned in to do a telephone consultation with me will probably have spoken to someone called Julie, who is fabulous. And Julie is my outsourced, she's my she's my dragon lady, she's my gatekeeper. Um, and she, she, she does all my admin um, she answers my phone she sends her invoices and questionnaires so I outsource the administrative process I've also got um, Roxanne who is now a planning student who is hugely helpful and is being trained and is learning the business as well she's a mature student but she's she's brilliant she's doing a degree she'll have finished it at the end of September so that's that so I use zero for my accounting I use something called receipt bank um, which is something whereby everybody has a smartphone. I, I, would, I, I tell you now, one of the things that has helped my business is the smartphone industry and the fact that I can be anywhere and pick up emails and pick up all kinds of messages and I love my smartphone to death and if I forget it for, for whatever reason, I feel like somebody's chopped my hands off. It's terrible. Um, so from that point of view, that's that's part of the time management that I can answer emails on the go. Um, it's uh, laptops and things have, have changed and now, but I do use Zero Receipt Bank. I also use something called Signable. I've started using this recently, which is a an electronic system whereby I send out a contract for uh, clients to sign, but they can sign it on their smartphones. They can sign it on the move. So not only am I saving my time, but I'm trying to t save clients' time as well. Um, I've also put everything recently uh, in the last 12 months in the cloud so it's all a cloud I try to be paper free it's all a cloud based system uh, and it's all backed up onto a server and I use a, a software system called Dato Drive uh, which means that my all of my documents are available on Dato Drive anywhere that I am and um, on any device that I've got with me be that laptop tablet or um, smartphone so, sorry, I've, I've, I've waxed lyrical about various, but, the, you know, it's all about gathering together um, all of these software systems. And, I mean, I know property developers do this. In fact, the signable document I got off one of the ladies in the, one of the property groups on Facebook. Um, and she said, oh, I've just started. And I thought, ooh. So I jumped on that. And I am a, I am a bit of a technology geek, having worked in the telecoms industry. Um um, I, I, I like everything that's new from a technological point of view and jump on it and say, right, we'll have that and we'll integrate it. And, and it, it does, it, it massively saves time. So I suppose from a time management point of view, 
that's that's how I how I can manage to do it. I think I'm kind, of, I'm kind of sat here with my head in my hands, just thinking. I, I really do wish I'd kind of known about you six years ago. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it just sounds that you know, like the projects you're working on, you you know, you're really excited about. And you know, mm. go, going back to kind of my experience, you know, when we we were planning a new build, I mean, I think I think we hit rejection about four times. I mean, there was one point where the the planning officers were saying that the house was too hot, too tall, um, and all the architect did was draw the house from a different angle. And that was the last time we got it signed off. I mean, it, 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 it was crazy. But, you know, there was lots of sleepless nights. Um, I, I just felt that, you know, I was banging my head against a brick wall. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of interested. You know, have you, have you ever kind of got yourself into a planning application where, you know, you've kind of had your head in your hands and kind of thought, oh, my God, we're never going to get planning. Um, and oh, if, yeah. And, 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 oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, there, it's just oh, not just me. Not just oh, me. Yeah. Lots of times. Lots of times. <laughs> but, that's, but that's the time when my my skills and what I do come to the fore because um, you, if, I, if you get a, a planning officer saying, well, we can't do it for this, 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 and this, then, then what you have to do, uh, if, if I've done my job right, it won't get to the point where there's something completely insurmountable. But there will always be something um, that um, it, it might be that there's something that you can add on. But there's, there's also things that um, there might be niggling little things. And it's not a matter of then starting to argue with the planner. It's, and, and that's sometimes what happens with other agents. Um, uh, and they start to bump heads. That's not the time to do that. At the time, to, you know, you should have done your... Everybody talks about due diligence in the property world. You should have done your due diligence and planning due diligence is part of the overall due diligence. And you have to do it. Um, so you have to have, have either engage someone who knows what they're doing um, or you have to do it yourself. But you have to do that and, and know what is coming. It, You know, I don't. I don't do surprises. Um, so if something comes up that is a surprise to me and I don't know about it, I'm, I'm quite aggrieved because I take refusals personally. Um, but if a planner then starts coming up and saying, well, we need this and we need that and that won't work and this. See, if if an architect, I, I work with lots of architects and, and people's plan drawers, um, but I also have my own in-house because um, I work with uh, architectural technologists who do my drawings. And, and I look at their drawings and if I know that their drawings won't work or are unlikely to work, I'll say so and we'll change them before they go in. Now, the, part of the problem with um, working, if, you, if you've got a grand scheme and you think, right, I want to do this, you take it to an architect and a Again, I'm not having a go at architects, but sometimes architects will just do what you have instructed them to do. They won't then, there are a lot of architectural firms who have planning uh, people within their firms, but there are a lot of people who don't, uh, um, and and they don't, they don't really get involved too much in the planning side of things, or, or they don't want to. Um, and a lot of the times, my guys will draw up some drawings. And if I say, well, mm, that's not going to work. It's too high. It's too tall. It's too, you know, it's too this. I, we sort it out before the application goes in based on my experience and, and my knowledge and my skills. Um, what happens sometimes if you have an architect who will draw these things, they go in based on what, you, what the client has instructed um, and it doesn't comply with planning policies. So, so what 
I suppose, what the basis of my success is, that I've turned that around. We don't do drawings and then hope that they'll fit with planning policies. What we do is I look at, we look at the planning policies, myself and, and, and Roxanne now, we look at the planning policies and see what will fit that will um, work for the client. So it, do, you, do you see what I mean? It's the other way around. It's sort of, it's twisted. Um, well, it is very twisted. Um, so it, so if, if rather than doing drawings and then saying, right, we're going to make these fit the planning policies. No, no, no. You get the planning policies and you draw up drawings in accordance with the planning policies. Then in fairness, if that happens, you should get planning, you know, the, the sausage machine, you should get planning permission outside the other end. Now, the, the issue with, with planning is that it's not just about planning policies. It's like if you can imagine a triangle, and I put this in, in a lot of my presentations, it's a triangle. Um, so at the top, you have planning policies. And then at each of the bottom two bases, you've got uh, neighbours and local communities, um, parish councils and things like that. But then you've also got um, councillors, members of the planning committee. So um, even though you might fit the policies, um, if there are objections um, on any kind of level, traffic, noise, you know, overlooking, all sorts of things, uh, then those have to be taken into account. But also um, you have councillors who can call in and will be will be lobbied um, um, by uh, the neighbours and anybody who's objecting. So they might take their side and speak on their behalf. Um um, and it, it kind of gets worse around ele local election times as well, because people sort of uh, grandstand in, in the meetings. Um, so from that point of view, it's uh, it's a three pronged attack. It's not just about saying, oh, well, I comply with policies. Oh, it'll all be fine. It might not. Um, so you have to look at all sorts of things. This is why um, I'll just finish off with this last point because I'm conscious of the fact I'm rambling. Um, this is why a lot of people, um, they'll phone up the planning department. Uh, if they speak to a planner or they speak to a duty officer or they speak to an admin person, they'll say, well, um, do a pre-application consultation, which is just what it does, what it says on the tin. Um, it's, an it's, it's an application that you put in. It's a consultation um, that you do before you submit the full planning application. So it's a pre-application consultation. Now, uh, as far as I'm concerned, um, if if this is a minor proposal uh, and if you've got a good planning consultant um, or a good architect, you, this is a waste of time. Unless you're building something quite significant um, and it's, it's quite large and it, it requires the advice of the planners before you put it in, um, this the pre-application process is a waste of time because it can only give you advice. It doesn't give you a, a formal decision. It's only advice. Invariably, uh, neighbours are not consulted and local ward members are not consulted. Some councils do do that, but invariably, a lot, most of the majority of the time, they're not. So you don't get a full picture. But the pre-application consultation for the majority of councils, they'll charge you. Uh, you have to fill forms in and you have to do drawings. So it sounds like a planning application to me. Why wouldn't you just submit a planning application? So and, and then if you get a refusal within 12 months, you can submit a new application addressing the reasons for refusal and you can put it in for free. So I, I 
don't I have a bit of an issue with pre-application consultations but I do appreciate that for larger proposals they do have to be submitted but um, you know if you're only doing something small I wouldn't advise it right I'm going to stop there because I'm <laughs> rambling now it's, it's funny though because I, I, I can kind of relate to so much of kind of what, what you were saying and stuff you know we had to go to kind of council meetings you know we had to put a proposal forward and uh, it, yeah. you know it, it, it was massive and you know you know like I said but like this turning into the Nina show um you know my I, I got into property kind of by accident like I said about six years ago when you know we we came across this piece of land we bought it uh you know we did we did this new build and I, I kind of felt that you know we didn't know anything we kind of dived in head first and I might be being a bit presumptuous here but I'm kind of guessing this is possibly one one of the projects that perhaps faces the most issues um or am I completely wrong in kind of which case which which planning projects work really well um which, which are kind of harder you know which are the biggest issues for a developer kind of in your experience um, so you're thinking that new build are the, are the hardest types of development? Possibly, Is that what you're saying? Yeah, possibly, mm. possibly. Um, it's, it's difficult to say because a new build, if it's on an ideal site, if you're, you know, if you've got lots of space around it, if you're just building one house or you're building a couple of houses, it can sail through. Mm. Um, but with new build, with new build with anything, um, a, a, for example, if you're doing um, a change of use, a conversion of an existing building, a lot of people will think that that change of use, because it's an existing building, it's already there, you're not changing what it looks like from the outside, so pff, should be fine. You know, what's to look at? You know, this planning is it's, it's a piece of cake. Anybody can do it. Um, but the fact of the matter is, once you look at the change of use, there's an existing building. So you're tied by the fabric and the envelope of that existing building. You're also tied by any ex external space. You know, do you need car parking? Do you need, if it's residential, do you need amenity space? Where are the bins going to go? Where are the cycles going to be stored? All of this kind of stuff. And you, you cannot you cannot shift or change those boundaries because you're tied with the building and with the site. So that can be a huge challenge. Now, it, it's not just in planning it's not just about what something looks like um it's about the use of the building and the intensification if that is the case in the use of the building so you if you're putting making a you know for example hmos or making studio flats or anything like that if if that intensification in the use of the site is too much um then that can start to create all sorts of problems uh, and this this happens for HMOs and studio flat conversions and all sorts of things and this is why everybody loves the prior approval system because the the, um, the council are very limited in what they can uh, and what they can pull you up on um, so from the point of view of a new build arguably a new build um, is a lot it should be a lot easier if you, if you get it right it should be a lot easier because you're starting with a blank canvas you're starting from scratch. You can design and make the building, the layout on the site, the movement about the site, um, you know, where you get access. You can you can start that from scratch. So it should be that much easier. Now, invariably, it isn't uh, most of the time because people try to get too much onto a site. Um, and they keep pushing and pushing and, and try just completely are convinced that they can get way too much on a site. Um, so arguably, new builds should be easiest because you're not tied 
to uh, an existing building or the fabric of an existing site. Uh, but invariably, they become more contentious. A lot of the time, because you've got neighbours um, and who've been used to seeing a vacant site, and then all of a sudden, some nasty developer is going to come along and want to build on it. Um, so from that point of view, it, planning planning is not just... Um, but it's it's it becomes a bit of a psychological issue um, because uh, people object to change for change's sake, not because of the fact that they don't want to see a building on that site, but they they object to it just because it's changing and it's unknown and and they're worried about what what impact that's going to have on them. Um, so yeah, it, I can't say that that new build is the most difficult because arguably, it might be uh, the easiest. <laughs> hmm. I had a bad project. Um, well, <laughs> well, no, there's no such thing as bad project. Yeah. There's no such thing as 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 a you know a bad planner. Yeah. It's just a how it's handled. Yeah. B whether you got the right advice and and, and how that went forward. And I'm not going to start commenting because I, I don't know the project. Um, but it. You know, there is no need. Um, yes, if you want to make planning difficult and tortuous and you want to agonize and you want to have sleepless nights, fine, you can do that. Um, but you don't have to if you get the right advice. Um, and I've, I've had a, a lot of people come to me and I've said, no, you can't get planning permission. And recently um, I had someone who wanted, had a, um, his, his house on a site uh, and he wanted to build a house in the back um, and he had enough space at the side but the, it was in the green belt uh, and I, I, I was approached and I said no I said you will not get planning permission well can't you do this and can't you do that and you know the fact of the matter is I'm good but I ain't got no magic wand <laughs> um, and he, he kept pushing and pushing and saying, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. And eventually, I just kept saying no. I said, I cannot take your money. I, I, I just can't because you'll get it refused. There's, well, can't you do something? No, there isn't anything I can do. Right, okay. So he went off to some other planning consultants, less scrupulous, possibly, arguably, who took his money, did a design, submitted it, and got it refused which is, you know, as I predicted. So he then came back to me and said, well, I've had this refused. Um, I want to go to appeal. Um, right. Will you do the appeal? And I said, no, I won't. And he, he paid the, the other consultants £3,000 and he, they'd got a refusal. Um, and he came to me and said, well, will you do the appeal? And I said, well, no, I won't because you will get it dismissed on appeal. You're not going to get it. Right, okay. So he went off to some other consultants, uh, paid another £3,000 for the appeal, and the, he lost the appeal. So he's now six grand in the hole, and he's still getting the same answer that I gave him for free at the beginning of this whole £6,000 thing. And, and he's still now sort of champing at the bit, saying, well, if I demolish my house, again, it came back to me and said, well, if I demolish my house and build two, can I do that? No, you can't. <laughs> so, so you know, it, it's it. Well, he, he keeps going on about because it's Greenbelt, and he's he's read in the press. Greenbelt is being released, and there's going to be a lot more houses built on Greenbelt, and all of that kind of stuff. And 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 that is true. But the fact of the matter is, um, this is about strategic sites. So it's 
if you want to build one house in the green belt, the answer is likely to be no. Mm. Uh, not not always no, but but in this particular instance, it was no. Mm. But um, if you are a house builder and you want to strategic site and you want to in the right location um, put a hundred houses, now that's an entirely different matter. It seems unfair, but it's it's fact. Um, and if you want to put 100 houses um, in the green belt, then that will be a strategic delivery site and you will be helping the council with their housing delivery. So um, it's, it's difficult because people see in the media, oh, it's, you know, the green belt issues are all relaxed. Well, mm, no, they're not. It, 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 people kind of, you know, get this in their head, don't they? And it, it must be really frustrating for you, you know, when you're telling people no, but they, you know, they're sort of going on and on and on, um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about planning in general. So um, it, yeah. it, it, we've talked a bit, you know, let's talk a bit more about you and kind of plan it right. So kind of what is the service you offer and kind of what are the benefits of someone utilising kind of your service to actually listen to you? <laughs> Um, well, I mean, you know, we do get into the middle of things and people stop listening to me. Um, and it, it is about, um, I, I, I guess it's hard um, for clients um, to completely hand over trust. Um, and I do, you know, I do get, um, there are a few clients who, some of whom are ex-clients now, who, who um, don't listen to my advice and then start to distrust um, um, that I know what I'm doing, and as soon as as soon as that happens, um, the my relationship with the client arguably is lost um, because if they're not gonna if they're gonna pay me, but they're not gonna trust my advice. I, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna say that I'm I'm right hundred percent of the time because there will be things that the client knows uh, that they want to do in the future and you know if they're if they're up front with me and, and tell me everything then hopefully I can I can help and I, I I'm coming from an informed position uh, but if clients you know do keep things back or, or try and go behind my back or try to um, get involved and start negotiating and start thinking they can negotiate with the planning department and going to the planning department when I'm supposed to be their agent, then then what can happen is um, clients can jeopardise um, their chance of getting planning permission um, because, you know, if they start talking and saying, well, we'll do this and we'll do that. And, and, and the problem is sometimes um, clients will offer uh, things just to get the planning permission that they actually don't need to offer uh, and if they just it, it's a bit like playing poker um just you know it's just a little bit like playing poker so um if if clients do get excited and, and start to go forward and say oh well I'll, I'll deal with this well it you know it's a bit of a mess really um so it is hard i understand it is hard it, it, actually for some clients they're so relaxed about it they just say yeah fine do it let me know when it's done. Uh, I'll be in Thailand, you know, and, and, and I just deal with everything and they just trust me to deal with everything. But there are other clients who, who cannot resist uh, getting involved and, and, and they will second guess and, and question me at, at every turn. Yeah, yeah, and that starts to get wearing after a while. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not being arrogant, um, but, you know, you, you pay a dentist um, to do your teeth you don't halfway through say excuse me what kind of filling are you putting in there don't, just uh, you know you, you don't do you and you don't go to a dentist and say oh well just give me uh, you know five thousand pounds worth of, or three thousand pounds worth of veneers um and i'll pay you in a couple of months time well it, it doesn't happen like that and you don't go to solicitors and, and get 
advice for free but a, a, a lot of people do think that planning is so easy um oh it'll be fine yeah just just give me two minutes of your time that turns into half an hour mm-hmm. um and they think oh well anybody could uh, yeah well that's just common sense i know that anybody could do that but you know people get half an hour of my time on a tenant telephone consultation for 97 quid um but what they also get in that half an hour is now almost 40 years worth of knowledge um so you know i think 97 quid plus vat into bad fee really i think i think it's pretty good you know and <laughs> I, I think you know any, anyone that was chatting to you could kind of hear that passion and that kind of loving you know that love of planning you know in, in your voice so i'm really interested like kind of what you think has kind of made you really successful you know i talk to loads of people and they talk about the courses they've been on the, the support network and the kind of you know the property community it, it is a lovely community people are really good at kind of sharing their advice but i kind of feel that perhaps what i should be asking you is you know do you find that perhaps you're a, more of a support network to other as opposed to kind of them being being for you is would that be kind of right um yeah I mean everybody comes along and says oh we want you on our power team because everybody's got this (laughs) you know everybody's learned about the power team and you think oh I was going to swear then oh what you think oh good grief I'm about I'm on about 97 planning to you know power teams um and you know sometimes they'll use me and sometimes they'll get involved with other people and architects um and they'll say oh well no we we don't need Linda on our power team so it's absolutely fine but I've you know there's also people coming to me now because I'm wanting to move into joint ventures so I've got several people coming to me um with joint ventures so um yeah I suppose I am a support team primarily um but I I want to turn that around and for people and investors um to and, and sources of property to bring me and to sort of to turn it around for me to that for them to be my support team if you like um and for me to be uh, the one who gets the planning permission the one who gets the increase in the value of i mean the significant increase in the value of the land um and then we sell that on with the benefit of planning permission i'm not a landlady i don't have a property portfolio i've got two ex-husbands each of whom i've given a house my pension is crap um i don't don't have a, a, plan, a, a property portfolio so you know I need to do something about this I need to make some money in order to keep myself in my old age <laughs> um I, I, I think I think you're amazing you know I, I could sit here and talk I could talk to you forever you know I mean oh, well, we could do that well we, you, we could do that we could talk forever and then you'd have to edit and it would take forever <laughs> no, to edit no 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 I, I'm very conscious that time is kind of running away with us yes. um yes. I've got a million other questions I want to ask you so I think right. definitely we'll have to we'll have to schedule in something else but no, kind lovely, of, yeah yeah do but, that. but I mean let, let me just say briefly the big sexy issues yeah. in planning you know it's difficult because planning is boring you know, there's uh, last year 164 pages of new legislation. Now, if you're an insomniac, um, then that's the kind of thing you want to be reading. But it it it, it is boring, and so you do have to. When I when I do my presentations and my talks, I do kind of make it entertaining as well because you have to if if you don't then it, it you're just going to bore the pants off people um but the big sexy issues at the moment everybody is still interested in the office to residential conversion everybody is still you know i mean people uh, are looking at if you go and find b1a offices you can put what's called a prior approval application in and it limits what the council can look at so you can in in certain locations this is a huge it's it's a money spinner um so you 
it, you know, it means you don't have to pay contributions, you don't have to pay monies on a Section 106 legal agreement, um, and and they can't look at the sizes of flats or um, the uh, properties that you're going to put into something. So, from that point of view, that's still still something that everybody is looking at. It's still something that everybody is wanting to do, and and it's it was made permanent um, in April. So you know, it's 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 now a thing that people are not scared about. They're wanting to go forward with, and that is something that I'm wanting to do as well. People are still um, still 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 doing HMOs, um, still getting them wrong. Um, still um, finding that they've bought a property that is in a restricted area um, from planning point of view, uh, an Article 4 direction area. Um, and, and also um, there's lots of um, people who are get planning and licensing horribly mixed up and confused. And they start talking about six people over three floors and, and all of this. And, and there are lots of more restrictive licensing um, um, uh, legislation coming in in all sorts of different local authorities. But planning and licensing are two entirely separate things. You might have to get both on, on HMOs. And HMOs can be difficult, especially the larger HMOs, um, because councils are now getting wise to this. And they're now saying they want some parking. They're wanting to know where the, the uh, bin storage is going to go. They want um, they want cycle storage. Um, they want a certain level of size of um, um, rooms. They want ensuite bathrooms and all. So um, HMOs are, are not quite as simple as a lot of people think they are. Um, in this country, we, you can go up to six people in certain areas. In certain areas, it's restricted. You can go up to six people in a single dwelling house and you can change the use of that without requiring planning permission, provided there's not a restriction, uh, an Article 4 direction on there. In Wales, you can't do that because if you're looking uh, to um, uh, for property in Wales, you need planning permission for everything. You can't do HMOs in Wales without planning permission. So you need permission for everything. They've they've removed the permitted develop the, the they've taken the permitted development right away. Um, so everybody, you know, HMOs is a bit of a minefield, and everybody thinks it's it's really easy, and they go on all of these courses and say, oh yeah, the way to make money is HMOs. Well, be careful. Um, you know, uh, just a note of caution with that. And then finally, um, because everybody's concerned about the um, restrictions on HMOs that there can be, so people are looking to serviced accommodation. And they think that serviced accommodation is a way of getting round the HMO um, restrictions. Now, um, the other thing is planning is, is quite slow sometimes to keep up. But planning officers are not stupid. Uh, they go on social media and, you know, they look at these things as well. And they look at press and all that sort of stuff and and plan the planning legislation is going to catch up so everybody is looking at serviced accommodation and they're thinking oh yeah we can put lots of people in here all we need to do for a break-even point is to have i don't know is to have the property rented in um uh, serviced accommodation terms for say half of the half of the month for example, if you you know if you um, get serviced accommodation, it only needs to be rented out for say 15 days in 30, and that is your more than break even point. And if you um, if you get that, um, then you're making money, and you don't need 
to do an HMO and go through, jump through all of the hoops that you might have to do um, if you were doing an HMO. So a lot of people are sort of thinking that they're being quite clever in that they're, they're getting round the HMO legislation. Well, again, we need to be a bit careful with this um, because um, planning is going to keep up um, and they're going to get up to, um, they're going to know what people are doing and they're going to start, I, I predict that they're going to start putting um, restrictions on things. And if, if, again, obviously, I'm not going to ask you any more questions, but um, if anybody else wants to kind of get in contact with you, because, you know, like I said, you know, you obviously know what you're talking about. You're incredibly passionate. What's, what's the best way for somebody to do that? Um, if you um, phone my mobile number, my mobile number is, is probably the, the don't don't start sending me text messages, because if you do, I'm just going to refer you to um, uh, an email address. If you phone um, 07765 01150 or 07765250150. It's a fairly easy number to remember. It's on my on my website. If you go on to uh, www.planetright.co.uk, uh, the telephone number is on there. There's also an email address on there, which is admin at planetright.co.uk. If you use either of those two, if you either send me an email or if you uh, phone the telephone number, uh, you're probably going to get through to Julie. Her, who is my admin lady. Um, um, Julie um, is, is based in Bolton as well, so you'll have a chat with Julie. She will um, ask you a little bit about, uh, about what you're wanting to do. She'll um, then send you, if you want, if we think it's appropriate, um, because she knows what she's doing, she'll either ask me uh, if we think a telephone consultation is appropriate or she'll make that decision herself. She'll send you out um, an invoice, uh, a questionnaire. The questionnaire is only one page. Uh, it's not huge, you know, war and peace to fill in. Uh, if you could just fill that in, get back, then we'll schedule in a telephone consultation and you'll have half an hour of my time when I'll be sitting in front of a computer um, we'll go through your property. I'll usually be able to see the property on Google Street View um, or you can send me a title plan um, or you can send me agents details um, and then we'll sit and we'll go through for half an hour all of the issues that we think might come up. Um, I obviously can't give you a definitive yes you'll get planning permission, no you won't. I might be able to give you a no you won't um, which then means you can perhaps move on and go and look at something else um and and that's that's those are the contact details Fab. i'll um i'll put those into the um into the description of the podcast as well so anybody listening i'll um they'll, they'll be in there as well linda thank you right. you're amazing um <laughs> really interesting content and some amazing knowledge in there that i'm sure the listeners have loved um like i said we'll definitely have to schedule in a an, another interview because uh, there's loads more mm. i want to ask you but um i think yeah, I think possibly to do some topic-based um, things uh, would be useful. Um, and that's I'm probably going to start putting those on my website as well. So, Fab. Thank you All so right. much for chatting to me. It's been amazing. Have a lovely week. And uh, until next week, thank you, everybody. Thank you so, thank you so much, Nina. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Your Property Podcast. If you're looking to further your knowledge in property, why not download our free Beginner's Guide to Property Investing at www.yourpropertynetwork.co.uk forward slash begin. It contains everything from how to choose the property strategy that's right for you through to how to raise funds when starting with none and how to eliminate risk and maximize profits. 
And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and never miss an episode by subscribing to our weekly podcast. Until next week.